This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the Friday Garbage Can Edition. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. And this is the show we do exclusively for you, our subscribers, over on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Thank you for your support. We couldn't do it without you. So uh, on this week's subscriber-only show. We will get to the garbage can at the end, but uh, we brought back a friend of the show, Owen Higgins, who's been very busy over the last few weeks, writing everywhere. Hey, Owen. Hey, guys. And, uh, How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, we, you know, we try to stay busy over here with uh, the podcast and with Means Morning News, but uh, you're putting us to shame. You're having a, an article or two out every day but uh, I figured it's a good time. Last time we had you on the show, it was more of a celebratory occasion after Donald Trump got COVID. Uh, <laughs> um, that didn't end so well because he and everybody else who got it survived. Um, but now that the election is over and we're starting to get, I guess, some understanding of what a potential Biden administration will look like. We've seen some of his transition team picks. You've been reporting and writing about a lot of these issues. So it's a good time to bring you back on and kind of recap what's happened and where we might going, where we might be going. And I think a good place to start is uh, a piece you wrote. Uh, I don't know which which outlet this was published in because you've written in multiple outlets. But I got to say that at a time when Trump still has not conceded the election, uh, at best, he uh, is attempting to set the stage for a 2024 run or maybe Trump TV or something. And at worst, he's attempting some sort of soft coup to stay in the White House. And yet... The rehabilitation of Donald Trump and his allies and his team has happened, begun so fast. I never thought that Trump would be shunned or thrown in jail. That's all absurd liberal fantasy. But I didn't expect that within just one week of an election that he still hasn't conceded, you already have Democrats and liberal media figures calling for us to be gracious toward Trump people and give them a chance and not don't dare Jake Tapper saying don't you dare think about not letting these Trump people work uh, in in the political media industry again are you surprised by how fast this has happened Owen well I am a little surprised actually um which is why I wrote about it uh which is just kind of to say like I mean, I was like angry at how uh, how rapidly it's been happening. I, I, I think that, you know, as, as I wrote, uh, the, the way that everybody in kind of the right-wing orbit is being rehabilitated right now is very unsettling uh, because it's happening so quickly. You know, I, I lead off with this uh, anecdote about Fox News' Neil Cavuto and uh, Kayleen McEnany is, is delivering this rant 
from the podium and Cavuto says, uh, you know, unless she has more details to back that up, I can't in good countenance continue showing this. Yeah, McEnany's alleging all sorts of fraud, election fraud from the podium. Yeah, just a bunch of just like completely uh... unsubstantiated, unhinged, etc. Yeah, just stuff that like, you know, is not credible or 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 reasonable to like uh doesn't pass a fact check yeah it doesn't pass a fact check and cavuto you know calls him out and 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 he gets praise from from you know liberals on twitter and the daily beast and other outlets and you know as i was writing this i didn't include this but i remembered that back in the in the aughts like I, i think it was like 2005 maybe I remember this like glowing New York Times profile of Cavuto on the front page, like, you know, below the fold, but it was still on the front page, just talking about how like, you know, like he's not like the other Fox guys, Uh, you know, he beat cancer and he's a real reporter. And it's just like, if you, anyway, that's just a bit of a digression on Cavuto, but if you watch his, his stuff, it's, it's the same shit. It's just said in a, in, in a more kind of like quote unquote reasonable way but anyway so he's a more responsible lou dobbs <laughs> yeah i think that's actually a really good way to put it he's basically lou dobbs without like the just straight up foaming at the mouth uh head spinning around without the uh direct address to uh border militia types yeah yeah without the hey can we just uh you know go and uh just start killing people, which is basically his, his whole shtick. But, um, and then, you know, Casey Hunt said, and this was the thing that actually like sparked me. So, uh, so I started writing this, uh, who, if you don't know, Casey Hunt is NBC. Those listeners out there who aren't, who aren't cable news poisoned as, uh, we are. Right. Right. So Casey, Casey Hunt is like, um, you know, she's, she says on NBC that many Republicans currently in Congress deserve credit because they uh, actually do the work that keeps the country on track. <laughs> they're doing that's the why, work. They're putting in the yeah, work. <laughs> that's why they're there. That's why they have, have, uh, have joined government, which is just, I mean, you know, I go into like what on track means to them, but then Tapper, uh, you know, starts complaining about this new Trump accountability project, which is, you know, basically devoted to keeping uh, all of these people out of public office and out of like this out of civil society, uh, which which here I'm using in its most narrow and technical sense. They're just trying to keep these people out of positions of influence over the government and and think tanks and stuff like that. And he's freaking out about it, um, you know calling it the exact opposite of the calls for unity and healing we've heard from president-elect biden which like first of all those calls for unity suck so like i don't you know like we're not talking about i mean i mean biden's doing that in in some ways biden is of course doing this because he is the president-elect and he doesn't really have I'm going to be kind of nice to him here. He doesn't really have much of a choice on this stuff, but you don't actually have much of a choice when you're the president about saying, I mean, obviously Trump was able to do that, but somebody like Biden is not able to just say fuck off to like 40% of the country as much as we would all 
wish that he would. So, but that doesn't mean that the rest of us have to do that. And that doesn't mean that, that people in the liberal media institutions have to forget about uh, what has been done and what has unfolded. Uh, and, you know, uh, MSNBC's Joy Reid said that there was a pathos to uh, Trump's story. Uh, you know, the, I, I find stuff like this is, is you know, I, th there are more examples in here, but I find this kind of stuff very disturbing uh, for what it says about the direction that the quote unquote discourse is going to go in in a Biden administration in a post-Trump world where we pretend that, that uh, the GOP uh, were not like completely complicit in all of this shit, that the right-wing media was not right along with Trump. I mean, just because the only reason that they are backing away now is because he is political poison. That's it. Yeah. So, I mean, ma making it even worse is he's he's not going to be leaving the political scene anytime soon like we are liberals in the media are rehabilitating someone who could be the 2024 republican nominee right which to be fair that might be the only way that joe biden kamala harris uh ticket can win because <laughs> well, <laughs> they're they're so uninspiring and it's a dangerous game and it obviously didn't work in 2016, but that is Democrats game, which is just, Hey, we're, we're not, we're not the bad guys. Like they, to a certain extent, they need someone like Trump, but that's, that's a whole, I'm, I'm going off on a little tangent here, and I mean, Owen I, is obviously I, I, I correct I that mean, they I, shouldn't be, they shouldn't be rehabilitating him, especially when, you know, he, is probably going to be around for the next half decade in the, on the political landscape. I mean, I can pretty easily see a scenario where he wins in 2024, especially if Republicans Same. keep the Senate and Biden isn't able to do anything. And you have a Republican primary in which Trump just is the king of the court again. And, uh, or, or, or even if I mean, Republicans could help Biden do a few things, and knowing that if he's the candidate or if Harris is the candidate in 2024, they're both incredibly weak, especially yeah. if it's going to be a campaign uh, where, you know, not that Republicans really took precautions over COVID this time, but especially if it's a campaign where Trump can have, you know, it will have no restrictions on the sort of rallies he can hold. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I said this on a Time of Monsters uh, podcast um, on Saturday, and, and I'm bringing that up because it's not, this is not the first time that I've said this, and I want to like... Acknowledge that for all the Owen Higgins heads who are, who are following you from, uh, from platform to platform. The Higgins That's heads. That's right. That's the, the Hig heads. Um, but look, uh, I, I think that, I, I think that you guys are right to look at the state of play right now like that 100 percent uh but four years is a long time and we don't know what it's going to look like and the example that i keep coming back to is um the bush administration the, the first bush administration when they came in to uh 
when they came into office under the cloud of stealing the election, um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. That you mean the second Bush administration, the second Bush administration first term, because when you said the first Bush administration, I, I was in 1989 for a sec. So you're talking about two. Sorry. Okay. Uh, um, Although to be fair, I, yeah. that that election might have been stolen too. He was CIA, former CIA guy. He was a VP under Reagan, and you can argue that 1980 was a stolen election because of the hostage crisis and the funny stuff that went on there. So still an illegitimate yeah. Bush. Yeah. I, I, I did mean the, I did mean the, uh, second Bush first term, um, W which, which, you know, his, his father may have had something to do with that too, but you know, it came in, um, you know, people, like, I feel like people did. like don't remember like in 2016 when, when nobody was like, uh, you know, standing on a, for Trump's little parade after the inauguration, like in 2000, people were fucking throwing shit at the cars. Like yeah. Bush couldn't, Bush, Bush had to like run. Like he, he couldn't, he couldn't like walk to, uh, to the, to the inauguration. Like he was like, people were throwing shit at him. Like people were really angry. Um, so, you know, he came in and it was basically like, everyone was like, well, it was just gonna be like a massive tax cut and he's going to try to start a war with Iraq. And that's probably not going to work. He's gonna be a one-term president. He's already a lame duck. He's, he's severely wounded coming in severely wounded. And then, uh, the best thing that's happened, the, the thing that has that has made Republicans more happy than anything else that has happened in my lifetime. 9-11. 9-11. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the joy that the GOP got from that yeah. should really never be like, never be understated. Um, I, I just the absolute delight that they took. And, and then the you point know, is, is that you can't predict what's going to happen because a, it doesn't have to be a 9-11, but some large... Uh, world event, some history-changing event could happen, which uh, could get people behind the president. Exactly, exactly. I mean, my my dream for 2021 is that it's the year of four presidents. Trump Trump stays in until the new year, then gets really gets tired of like having to like do all the transition stuff and just like quits. Pence takes over, then it goes to biden one of the many things that could happen to biden happen and it's harris <laughs> but like, i wonder, I wonder what the odds markets are on number of presidents in 2021 right now yeah <laughs> take the uh over on three <laughs> <laughs> then trump resigns on uh december 31st <laughs> that would that would that'd be very uh upsetting to me Typical Sam Sachs gambling yeah, luck, though. Yeah, they know. As soon as I place the bet, they know what will happen and <laughs> works out against me. Um, so, so yeah, so so that's kind of a, a, a digression. But I think that, you know, if we're looking at a, a, a Biden administration coming in and there's going to be this constant rehabilitation of of, um, of of Trump and Republicans and just like all of this all of this stuff going on. I, I, it's, it's, it doesn't bode well for uh, the left or progressives or liberals or how, you know, whatever you, however you want to put it, the, the left wing of the democratic party, I guess, uh, who are really the ones who have enough legislative power to, to enforce any of this stuff. And, you know, they're going to be 
going up against an administration that you know is rejecting them and uh, and is resisting uh, you know actually looking at the data for for, for what can win and they're so what and and you know th that's part of what this stuff is doing it's just it's it's setting the stage to change the narrative away from reality well it's probably a good segue into some of the other stuff you've been reporting on which is uh the once again failure of the democratic establishment to wrestle with the reasons why they're not having success in elections and even though joe biden uh won the presidential election, down-ballot candidates underperformed everywhere. Uh, the House Democrats uh, are losing seats. They're going to have one of the slimmest majorities uh, they've ever had. And uh, in the Senate, unless, you know, you you pull off the, the double victory in Georgia, which as a betting man, I'd assume that the odds are very long on that, that Democrats win both those seats even in winning one of those seats, but they're going to have a Republican Senate uh, against Joe Biden when all it looked like was Democrats were, it was how many seats, how, how big will the Democratic majority in the Senate be was the question before the election. Mm -hmm. And we, we already have the, the sniping from the center of the party toward its left wing saying, you know, the reason why we got killed is because of defund the police and all this socialism stuff. But the data shows that that's not the reason why they got killed. That the reason why they got killed is they still, four years after Bernie Sanders proved that a lot of these progressive policies are in fact very popular and House candidates have run on them and won in, the, in 2018, proving again that they're popular that the party still refuses to see why things like Medicare for all and Green New Deal and defunding the police are actually popular policies that if you get behind, you can win elections. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this is what I wrote about at Insider. And, and um, I mean, it's just, it's frankly a very easy argument to make, um, which is why I think they're, they are, in overdrive trying to fight against it. They're trying to change the narrative around this because the exit polling aligns with all of the polling that we already knew existed. And, you know, this is, this is, this has been going for, for decades. Uh, Americans are in favor of progressive legislative policies, period. Universal healthcare, uh, anti-racism, climate change, et cetera. No matter how you manipulate the language around it, um, people are in favor of the underpinning policies. Uh, you know, a lot of the time stuff like defund the police uh, is, is the most recent example where, where people are um, rejecting that in, in polling, that specific language. Uh, but they were doing that to Black Lives Matter five years ago, and now it has majority approval. Yeah, now you have you know. Exxon Mobil talking about Black Lives Matter. Right, right, right. And you know, like I, like I honestly would not be surprised if in like two or three years, 
corporate America is is talking on Instagram about how we need to defund the police and put more money into. <laughs> well, it's not. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like it's just like it be, because at that point, everyone will understand what the policy means and it'll be out there. I mean, obviously, like abolish the police is a more extreme position uh, that is not shared by everybody on the left, but uh, defund and divest is not a particularly controversial yeah. policy. Well, th- things but, like but, things like Medicare for all. I mean, these are these are moderate policies. I, I mean, as like as a socialist, these are half measures. Like I fully understand that trying to get the American electorate in general on board with seizing the means and, you know, nationalizing oil companies and things like that is that's, that's a, that's a big step that needs to be taken. That we're, we're a long way away from that, but things like Medicare for all, like join the rest of the industrialized world here essentially and enact these measures is it's only compared to the retrograde Republican party, one of the most reactionary major political parties in the world that the Democrats are positioning themselves so that things like Medicare for all are too extreme, which is, again, just a, a, a fairly moderate position. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is this is the thing. And this is, you know, I've, I've been I've been yelled at by uh, by his. His. Uh, more extreme fans for saying this, but I'll say it again, I mean. Bernie Sanders is not some like hardcore leftist. What he is suggesting is not some radical change. I'm sorry, it's not. It's it's very it's very basic moderate liberal democracy stuff. If you're in a sane country, mm-hmm. if you are in this country, then it seems like radical socialism. But it's not. Everything that he's suggesting is basically New Deal liberalism uh, for the 21st century, and that's what people support. I mean, look at this. So, so I'm gonna, I'm 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 gonna throw out some numbers here. New York Times exit polls: 66% of voters feel the climate change is a serious problem. 71% feel racism is one of the most important problems in the U.S. 53% believe criminal justice system treats black people unfairly. 54% of voters believe abortion should be legal, in all or most cases. But let's go to Fox News, which is a more left-wing publication, because <laughs> these numbers are extremely. Uh, "Quote unquote radical," seventy-two percent in favor of government government-run healthcare. Seventy-one percent in favor of keeping Roe and Wade in place. Fifty-five percent more strict gun laws. Seventy-two percent want a pathway to citizenship for uh, immigrants who for undocumented people. Like, I mean, this is like that is really hard to push against from a straight-up policy point of view, which is why uh, we're seeing all of this bullshit from the right wing of the democratic party who are just making like these like abigail spamberger and connor lamb they're just making these sweeping anecdotal claims that uh are not based in they can't they can't back it up with anything they just say oh you know well i heard from so and so or you know my voters said to me that they felt this way or blah 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 bullshit 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 uh you know the Facts don't care about your feelings. That exactly. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Sorry. As as a great philosopher once said. Um, a cool you know, kids philosopher. The cool kids philosopher, a tall and and strong looking man. Um, <laughs> who knows how yeah, to please so, his wife? 
<laughs> who knows how to please his wife and uh and is proud to talk about it quite a bit <laughs> anyway <laughs> you know and aiden smith who's a data for progress elections analyst noted that you know uh seven at least seven democrats who who lost their races this isn't just incumbents this you know who, who are in contested races uh opposed defund the police and medicare for all but that didn't help them and he said he, he had this tweet that i thought was just like really summed it up really well sorry you can't have it both ways these democrats publicly opposed medicare for all and defunding the police and lost now one of the things that he's saying he's 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 just making a point here he's not um making some kind of like sweeping generalization or statement. What he's doing is he's pushing back on this idea that, uh, that's, that supporting these positions is automatically electoral kryptonite. And what he's saying, and what he's right about is to say that like, if that's the position, then you have to acknowledge the fact that people who oppose these things in contested elections law. And you combine that, I think if you combine that, which is a small sample size, but if you combine the ones that lost and compare those to the ones who won in these contested, uh, you know, close elections. And then combine that with the polling. I think that it, it's, it's pretty clear, like what wins and what the. Yeah. Yeah. We always use the, uh, the analogy of Lucy and the football when we're talking about Democrats trying to work with Republicans or thinking that Republicans will come along and join them in agenda. But as people on the left, I feel like we are also falling for this all the time, expecting Democrats to embrace popular left-wing positions. And they won't. Like, they're not going to do it. I mean, here we had an election that, as you showed, the data proves what would be successful and yet afterward the main line is oh well the left is costing us these elections and now joe biden is unveiling a, a transition team filled with all sorts of corporate ghouls i know sam knight talked about this on means tv on thursday but it's like at what point are we wasting our time trying to make these arguments to the Democratic Party, which clearly is just not interested. They're, they're, the party is not interested in winning elections, at least when it comes to if they have to adopt things like Medicare for all, they'd rather lose elections. And I don't know where I'm going with this, but like not to like, you know, shame your reporting on this for pointing it out, Owen, but at what point is this just like a waste of fucking time telling Democrats that this is how you win and then being like, no, we don't want to do that? Well, I think that. The fact that we're seeing Doug Jones and Beto O'Rourke backing up what. Um, AOC, AOC and the squad are saying. I think indicates that things are shifting a little bit. So I just, I mean, I do want to just on my information about Warren, uh, which is kind of like, kind of a counter to my 
Business Insider article, uh, which is, you know, that, that Warren is not being considered. And a lot of the reason that people, uh, for Treasury, which she had been lobbying for, and a lot of the reason that people had, are saying now, which is, let me true, let me is, just let me know, just tell people yeah. let me just tell certain people online that they can just skip the next few minutes of this podcast if they don't want to hear us talk about a possibility of Warren being uh, Treasury Secretary, even though she would probably be the best Treasury Secretary in generations, even though the fucking bar is on the floor. Yeah, I mean, like that. even even to those people who would be listening to that who. Uh, who, who that's a little too much for them to stomach. Um, she's probably the best person who would even be slightly considered. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, she's not being considered. And the reason that they're giving now is because, you know, control of the Senate, assuming in the unlikely, but technically possible event that, um, that, the Georgia Senate seats are both won by Democrats. And then, you know, the, the Biden administration has a narrow Kamala Harris one vote tiebreaker. Um, you know, her seat would be filled by Charlie Baker, the Republican governor of Massachusetts, who is not going to appoint a Republican or a, a Democrat unless he's forced to. Um, so, but that's not the reason in October that they were saying that that wasn't going to happen. Um, they were saying that any position for her in the cabinet would concern, quote, a big swath of the candidates' moderate backers, close quote. Um, and they've been downplaying it for a lot of reasons. Now I talked to uh, some progressives in uh, the New York State Congress, uh, like State Senator Alessandro Biaggi, and State Assembly Member Yulene No, who both of whom uh, were Warren supporters, uh, No at least switched to Bernie after Warren dropped out. Uh, they're they're both uh, pretty loud, progressive voices in state politics. There, I talked to Jamal Bowman, Jeff Yang from AAPI, and Sarah Nelson, and the they all supported uh, a Warren Treasury. Uh, but you know, the the underlying underlying theme that I was hearing from them was just a feeling of of anger that that the Biden administration was just not just not even going to like consider it right it's uh it's impossible not to feel a little bit of schadenfreude and I know and I agree with what you two said before about how Warren would be uh one of the if not the best treasury secretary in a very long time, but just seeing that their whole theory of change of being pragmatic and making a point of supporting the party establishment time and time again. I mean, Owen, you recall, I you edited a piece I wrote uh, about how Warren uh, voted for Jack Lew for treasury secretary under the Obama administration. That was one of the first things she did when she got into the Senate. And now she's getting nothing in return for this, it seems like. I mean, I still reserve the right to be wrong there. Um, but it's looking very likely she will get nothing in return. And quite frankly, it serves her right. I mean, what about the past few decades made her think that, you know, her yeah. playing with the system was going to get her anything? I mean, we have a CFPB now. Fine. That's good. But 
for the vast majority of the people in this country, it doesn't change their material circumstances on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and 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 there's talk about B- Bernie trying to be labor secretary. Look, if, if the Bi- Biden could neutralize a lot of these people on the left by putting them in his administration and sort of handcuffing them, uh, and he won't even do that. So, well, it's about you know, it's it's about uh, it's about sending a message. It's yeah. not so much about. I mean, like yes, there is. I mean, uh, my. opinion of warren having covered her for a long time starting in massachusetts and and then on the national stage is not uh particularly high um you know i think that just call call her snake owen you want to call her snake call her (laughs) well no but here's the thing is that i don't actually particularly give a shit about the uh about her in the primary um yeah, because I don't. I mean, I like. I do like. I wish she had dropped out, but I don't think it was like some kind of conspiracy or something like that. It's just yeah. obviously, she thought she could win. She was wrong. Um, she was being told that by by some people who were who were not, uh, you know, giving her the right advice. But you know, that's. Um, but I find I, I find her. Her she's a little slippery for me as far as like being being a left voice. Yeah, uh, kind of kind of slithers back and forth on that stuff um but her getting mad at amy goodman during the primary was very instructive i'll just say that yeah i mean but like so is there like a little sean freud like sure uh a little bit but but you know really i think that at this point um you have to you have to separate what's happening here from it being warren and look at it as far yeah, there's a reason why Joe Biden is not comfortable with Warren in his administration. I mean, that says something about Warren still, even though she acted like a snake during the primary and she's not of the same sort of ideology, ideological bend as Bernie Sanders when it comes to being a, a strong social Democrat or even Democratic Socialist, maybe. Uh, she's not that, but she definitely is left of wherever Joe Biden is, which is why the hell he doesn't want her uh, in his administration. I guess I would just say this, that, that, uh, so, so yeah, it is, um, there is some schadenfreude, how are the, I don't really say that word and I don't care. Um, I barely know how to spell it. Uh, I, I think that I understand that feeling and, and, and I, and I, I, I get it, you know, and I didn't obviously, uh, you know, I, I, when I wrote this article, I knew that, that people were going to have that reaction to it. And I, I, I am not discouraged that because I think that those kind of broader conversations within the left, I think are important. Um, even, even when they get mean, but, uh, the, the, I think that people need to not lose sight of the broader, message that's being sent here to uh even just like the liberal wing of the democratic party uh which is that you can go fuck yourself yeah. uh because that is what they are saying like that is what they are doing and they are sending that message by using warren as treasury and if they put bernie in as labor you can absolutely guarantee that that is going to mean that he is going to be completely powerless. 
because that is the message that they're sending. Um, and they're probably right that, 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 that Bernie is more controllable than, than Warren. Bernie has proven over and over again that, that he's not really willing to go up against Democrats. And, um, and that's his calculation and that's fine. Uh, you know, he's been doing this for a long time, so he has his reasons for doing it, but, uh, well, he, he was willing to go up against them in 2016 where she wasn't and he was begging her to, or asking her to, um, but yeah, I mean, but I'm saying, but I'm saying that like he was willing to go up, up against them by challenging Hillary for the nomination in order to push her to the left. He never expected to do what he did. So, uh, while I think when he was, I think when he reached out to Warren to get her to run in 2016, I think that he was probably assuming that she could win the nomination and probably the white house. I guess what I mean, I, I, I guess what I'm the real, uh, source of the, uh, schadenfreude is the fact that from the start we knew that there was no place for a warren in a biden administration this is not a surprise that they're telling um the left and the center left uh to take a hike and people were saying that at the time when she wasn't dropping out on super tuesday um that this would happen and we always knew that the only way things would be getting get done under a Biden administration is people organizing in the streets and uh, trying to leverage whatever economic power they have to affect change. And so um, I guess what I mean by the schadenfreude is like, yeah, this is exactly what, what we expected. And uh, you know, not that the message itself, as you were saying, the, the, the middle finger to the left is, is obviously not good. I don't yeah, know. and 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 I and I do also want to say that like um, the ha, having said everything that I've said and, ha, and and you having said everything that you said, I think that I think that one thing that's undeniable, and by the way, I agree with everything that you said, obviously, um, is that the the absolute disastrous political instincts on display through this entire thing for this entire year by Warren have just been like staggering stagger yeah. uh, so, somebody um maybe she wouldn't have won in 2016 based on what we learned from her run in 2020 i, I mean you know? yeah i just don't like get it like you know somebody quote tweeted one of my one of my posts about uh, you know of, of this nation article that i wrote and they were just saying like it, it's just almost impossible to describe how far she fell yeah like just like just totally blew it in every possible way. Um, and, and that's correct. That's correct. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Well, Owen, uh, thanks for coming on and uh, talking about all these issues with us. Uh, if you want to check out whatever Owen is doing, he posts it on Twitter at Owen Higgins, E-O-I-N-H-I-G-G-I-N-S underscore. We're not going to let you leave yet, though, because it is our Friday garbage can edition, and I'm looking at the polls right now. And stop it, the count. Stop the count. Stop the count. I think voting stops in 10 minutes, but uh, I've seen enough already based on the polls. Seen enough. Let me just recap uh, 
some of the garbage candidates this week. We had uh, Samuel Alito, who uh, came out uh, just guns blazing at the same-sex marriage decision and standing up for the rights of anti-LGBTQ protesters. Uh, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, who's just overseeing a bloodbath in her state when it comes to COVID. Uh, we've got One America News, which is turning up the uh, election fraud stuff to the highest volume right now, alleging that like millions of Trump votes were deleted by voting <laughs> machines. Um, we've got moderates like Donna Shalala and Connor Lamb, who are, as we talked about on a lot in this interview, are trying to blame the left for the Democratic failures. Uh, we've got Q, uh, Q, which, who has been quiet, I guess, since the election, although I guess they made a post yesterday or something like that. Really uh, failing to step it up. Yeah. Uh, the Jones Day Law Firm, which has been representing Trump in a lot of these uh, lawsuits to uh, overturn the election results. But the top two vote-getters right now uh, coming in second, Biden's transition team. And right now leading the way by a lot is Mike Pompeo. Does anybody have a, anybody have a problem with throwing Mike Pompeo in the garbage can this week? Is he, is he a deserving garbage candidate? What do y'all think? I'm a little surprised by how well he's doing. And um, I, I guess because I thought that uh, obviously he's scummy. And when he said there's going to be a smooth transition to his second Trump administration, he was being a total fucking dirtbag. But I don't know. I really feel like that was a deliberate provocation and he was trying to trigger the libs. And um, I'm, I really don't feel like taking the bait on Pompeo. You want to overrule the voters? No, I, I, I don't know if I will overrule the voters here, but I will just I'm, I'm just saying I'm a little shocked that he is uh, he's in the lead right now. I would have thought that, I don't know, uh, maybe Connor Lamb would get it for being just an insufferable dipshit. So is this sorry, is this is this for his uh, second Trump term comment? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's I like mean, a personally, I would of a say if you're stuff. if you're worried. It's if like, you're worried about the Trump, if you're worried about the Trump coup, you should want to throw Trump's legal team in the garbage can, right? Yeah. Like Pompeo is just trying to do some swagger on stage. I think Pompeo, though, what makes his case more compelling is that as Secretary of State, he goes up on the podium every day and calls for free and fair elections all around the world, and uses. Oh my God! The Secretary of State doesn't actually mean that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uses the justification of voting irregularities in places as a means for a coup and then turns around and discusses how there might be voting irregularities in the U.S., which is why Trump should be president still, why we should see a second term as president. Uh, yes, to the more uh, cynical and correct viewers of American politics and American empire, we know the truth here. But uh, and I would say our, our listeners know the truth as well. But also, he's just a piece of shit all around. Yeah, he's a, he's Mike Pompeo scumbag. is a piece of shit. And even though he does things like this week that have also enraged liberals, um, we can't forget that he's a piece of shit for all the right reasons as well. Yeah, that's true. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Owen. 
No, I was just gonna say, like, um, uh, you know, we 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 had we had an interesting conversation uh, earlier this week uh, in the DMs about whether or not this is a coup and whether or not to call it a coup and like the you know the political which um, I don't like uh, you know as I said at the time like I don't you know I haven't been been paying as much attention to it because I, I think ultimately stuff, the so. debate is about like terms like whether or not the correct terms are being used. I think that there's a tendency sometimes uh, on left Twitter, which isn't exactly representative of our body politic and the and the discourse that's actually happening and driving things. But I think that there's a tendency for people to react not to actual events that are happening in the world, but to react to the way liberals are reacting to events in the world and then determining how to no, react no, I... based on that. So I think that a lot of this like, this is this isn't a coup. This isn't a coup is in response to liberals freaking out about what's happening when I mean, there's a lot of people and I would include myself on this who are not panicking. We're not panicking that there's going to be a coup. We, nobody thinks that the military is going to take over here. It's just that, like, I don't think our institutions are that strong. And, you know, if Trump really decided to go for it and had and he, I think him personally does want to go for it. Um, I think if the election was a lot closer and it came down to one state, he probably would succeed in doing this. I, I think it's I worth think just kind we, of using the right, using coup, soft coup, soft judicial coup, if you want to uh, describe it further, uh, is seems maybe, like a reasonable thing. Maybe maybe a good way for me to to put where I'm coming from on this is that like, because... So again, like I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it because I had a lot of work, obviously, that I was I was working on that was like not so related busy. to this. He's particular so busy, topic. folks. He's the busiest I'm just been man. So busy. Um, but but the thing is, so so when I would see stuff like this, either on Twitter or or in you know like like people's opinion pieces or something like that, like my 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 snap reaction was not because like uh, like the liberals were we're talking about or anything my, my sap reaction was like wait that that does not read to me as a coup that reads to me as like i've been kind of like hearing all this stuff kind of in the background for a while and it just kind of sounds like um trump is just making noise um but ultimately you're right like the like the terminology does not actually matter what they are doing is they are putting into place a lot of really bad shit that is going to be used by somebody who can actually use it at yeah. some point down the line because the institutions have been damaged so much. Uh, and so I think that, so, so I agree with that point. I, you know, and I, and again, I'm not going to get like hung up on like what term to use um, more than, more than to just kind of like have occasionally kind of entertaining conversations about, yeah. you know, what that is. But as far as like uh, on a serious level, like, yes, of course, um uh, you know the damage that's being done should not be underestimated i guess uh my uh to bring it back to uh pompeo my reluctance to see him as the strongest garbage candidate really stems from the fact that his uh comment in his press conference struck me more as like a steven crowder type provocateur like statement like there's going to be a second trump administration change my mind rather than like 
as something that a serious scheming person would actually do. Um, well, uh, we, but I'll happily throw his ass yeah, in the I mean, garbage. I mean, can. this is a democracy. Mm-hmm. There are no voting irregularities here, Sam, uh, unless you're going to try and launch some legal challenges to this vote. <laughs> uh, I think there's just one thing left to do and that's throw his ass in the garbage can. So, okay. I concede. Mike, Mike Pompeo, Pompeo you, you are, are going, going in, in the, the garbage, garbage can. can. Bye, asshole. <laughs> that is the show. Owen Higgins, thanks so much once again for coming on. Guest garbage can crew, Evo Morales, shutting it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back we next you, week. President Day. <laughs> we'll be back next week with some brand new newscasts. Uh, Owen, have a good holiday. Thanksgiving. Yeah, thanks, guys. Talk soon. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.